Hey guys, it's Fidel here. So before we start the show, we want to let you know that this episode is all about mental health. So if you have any mental health issues, uh, don't hesitate to call a professional. Uh, today we have a professional and you can get them at snmcounseling.com. That's E-S-I-N-A-M counseling.com. Calm. And if you have immediate help, you can call Mental Health Canada at 1-800-668-6868. That's 1-800-668-6868. And we'll come back with those at the end of the show. Again, mental health is a pretty tough subject, and it's a subject that everybody should talk about. If you need help, get help immediately. Now, let's start the show. Four, three, two, one, What's up and welcome to another episode of Black in the Maritimes and we have a friend of the show. Uh, we have Stacy Darku, uh, a counselor, professional mental health expert. Uh, how are you doing? Welcome back. I'm doing well and thank you for having me again. Yeah, always. It's always nice to have you. I think uh, we met at, a, at an incubator mm-hmm. and we've been, we've been uh, talking ever since and since we get to the show. So today is going to be different. We're not going to talk about your life or your upbringing or anything like that, because we already did that. Uh, if you haven't heard, you can go to our website, blackandthemaritimes.com, and you can check uh, Stacy's profile. But we're going to talk about mental health, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, what Stacy is an expert like that. So uh, how have you seen, and from your particular experience, now that we are almost two years on the pandemic, mm-hmm. uh, how have you seen uh, this affected people's mental health right now? Yeah, I, I think people are tired. I think that's pretty well the general consensus is that everyone is tired. It's almost like we're in Groundhog Day. Um, So what I'm finding is that people are sadder. They're not motivated. Lots of procrastination. Lots of like, you know, that that feeling of hopelessness or helplessness is starting to creep in. Um, So I think two years in, like people are just generally tired of it. They're tired of everything. After two years of something that you don't expect, uh, you can tell that it's tired, especially uh, and for people that know mostly us all live in Canada. That's what our main audience is. Uh, But for those that don't, you know, Canada is a very cold country and winter can be a little bit isolating, a little bit lonely and plus a pandemic. (laughs) Uh, I can definitely tell like even myself uh, it's just like it's not even a matter of vaccinations or political whatever that's going on it's like look I just want to live my life like everybody else right I just want to get my job and do my groceries I'm tired to do that so so what what have you seen what are the trends that you've seen uh with people are they suffering more for anxiety depression what 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 tends to be more going on um I think with my clients I think I'm seeing a lot of um Maybe those low moods. I don't know if it's like specifically depression, but I would say definitely, definitely the low moods are starting to creep in. Um, that negative self-talk are probably starting to creep in a little bit more um, and some anxiousness. So that anxiety feeling of, you know, that intense worry, like, if am I going to get COVID? Everyone seems to be getting COVID around me. Um, I don't want to socialize with people because I don't know where they've been going. So I would say those are probably the main things um those low moods and that those feelings of anxiousness 
Oh, it's funny that you say that, that, that low moods, because I can tell you, uh, for example, I know that the sun gives you a lot of vitamin D and stuff like that and going out and socializing, but it, it's beginning to be, uh, like you said, a groundhog day that every day repeats the same. And then you got those extra things like, oh, uh, this winter, no sun coming out or no, not enough stuff. You can't go out or because you're afraid of COVID. And I, I see, especially on children which is something that i have i have haven't seen in a while that children are getting into this and and is that something that happens that it it, it just transmits to the whole family or is it something that you know just because of the situation and that everybody everybody feels the same yeah i would say you know i actually work as a play therapist as well so i work with a lot of kiddos and I will say it's probably like, you know, they're seeing mommy and daddy or their caregivers kind of in the low moods. They can't really go anywhere to see their friends. Um, you know, they're kind of stuck home, maybe playing video games or just playing the same same game over and over again. So I think, you know, the kids need, you know, that social interaction. Social interaction is huge for kids, huge for the development. So kind of removing that piece and removing the idea of they can go outside and play and go visit their friends. Um, is, is, is hard for them. It's quite hard. So it comes out in different behaviors. It may look like they're not motivated. They may talk back a little bit more. They may be a little bit cranky. So I think probably, you know, everyone's feeling that cabin fever um, as well. So I think it does transmit to the whole family unit. Yeah, I think so as well. And again, I'm not a professional in any shape or form. Uh, but I seen the other day I went out uh, and we went out to like this gathering and they was the parents with the kids and the parents, the first, first thing they did as a parent myself, I gave, they gave him a tablet or phone and the kids were on the tablet on the phone, like the whole, but in a period of time they were, but once they saw other kids, they kind of ditched the tablet and started playing. Like right. they just started going around and stuff. And it's like, Oh wow. This is like what normal uh, <laughs> thing. Like it, it's, it's kind of a normal thing for films with kids. And the other thing about the adults is the same thing. Uh, everybody was kind of like, like you said, kind of wary with their mask, whatever. Then uh, to a certain moment, it was like back to 2019, which is crazy mm. to say <laughs> that everybody was talking and doing stuff. And I was like, whoa, I think I think that we haven't lost that. Uh, but like you said, people are more wary of it. Mm -hmm. People are like, oh, wait, I don't, I want to make sure that they're vaccinated. So what do you tell people at those points when they're like, like, they know they can do it, but they are just because of the mindset that is right now, they're like kind of wary about it. What what do you tell them in those situations? Hmm. Well, I think there's a lot of things that, you know, people can do to ease their anxieties. Um, you know, self-care is is the biggest one. So like you mentioned that vitamin D, you know, making sure you're sleeping well, making sure you're eating well can lift your moods. Um, and also too is, you know, having these conversations with your friends, you know, saying to your friends like, hey, like, you know, can you be in my bubble or like, you know, I'm kind of worried about, you know, COVID. Are you able to tell me like, you know, do you hang out with a lot of people that are not vaccinated or what does that look like? So having those open and honest conversations with people and then connecting with people, I think is the biggest thing. 
Um, because if you don't ask the questions, if you don't set your own boundaries, like it kind of spirals into something else. So I think it is important for people to find ways outside of the whole COVID to create your own happiness, right? I think what I'm noticing is a lot of people are dependent on the malls being open and the restaurants and the bars, but sometimes you do have to be creative and create your own happiness. And it may look like just, you know, finding a bubble, you know, doing something new that you've never done before, experimenting, um, you know, try not to get stuck, you know, in that groundhog day or stuck in that feeling of hopelessness and helplessness. I mean, that's part of one of the things, like the fact that we have to be in a bubble, which is mm. crazy. <laughs> it's like, like, you gotta go like, can you be in my bubble? Which is, it, it, it's kind of insane to say, but yeah, I think uh, eating healthier and exercising, I think first I personally has helped me, uh, mm. which I haven't done in a couple of weeks, but who, it's not about me. Uh, so, but yeah, that's definitely, I think something that, that helps a lot. Uh, and the other part is, is like I said, yeah, you gotta, you gotta take care of yourself. That that's, that's a self-healing is something. Now I also seen, and maybe this is something that you might seen as well. I also seen that, uh, with this COVID thing, I mean, which is kind of crazy, like, yeah, we can go out, we can bars and stuff, but the liquor store is still open. Hmm. The liquor stores are still open. The supermarkets are still open and streaming and all that stuff. Have you seen uh, a shift of people like, for example, that people are like maybe drinking more and doing self more harm stuff uh, because of this type of complication? Uh, because that's I think a lot of it leads to that. Have you seen that trending within within your base of clients? Hmm. I would say in the beginning of the um, pandemic, for sure. I think everyone was eating out, you know, door dashing and going to the liquor store. Um, and staying in when everything was locked down, because that's all we could have done. Um, but I'm noticing now the shift of people being a little bit more health conscious, me being a little bit more cognizant of how much weight they gain or how much they're drinking a little bit more. Um, so I would say in the beginning for sure, but now there's definitely definitely been a lot of shifts. Okay, so that's that's something that uh, that yeah, I, I also seen with with Stats Canada that you know that a lot of uh, a lot of things that I that I read is that people are you know going more to streaming and being more on social media, eating more, but I also uh, one of the effects that has this thing is uh, home violence is one mm -hmm. of the things that have have done. Uh, yeah. What would you say to somebody that that has been in that situation that they can't get out, they they have and they not necessarily because when People think about domestic violence, they think about physical violence, but that's not necessarily the case. What what other cases of domestic violence could be happening because of the pandemic that people have to stay home? Yeah, so there's, like you said, physical violence, physical abuse is one type of abuse. Um, you know, there's emotional, mental, financial abuse, sexual abuse, um, and it can go into different type of subcategories with that. Um, I, you know, I actually work with perpetrators of domestic violence and, you know, the numbers are increasing. Unfortunately, there's a lot of gender based violence that's happening. That's really sad as well and unfortunate. And, you know, if someone is stuck in that situation, uh, the biggest thing is find a connection outside the family unit. So if it looks like, you know, having a friend to talk to, if it looks like reaching out to the local organizations to chat with. 
um, having that talk and, you know, that space to kind of vent and, you know, debrief and share your emotions are, is huge. You know, I would say it's really, really bad if you kind of self-isolate yourself, especially if you're in a violent home. Um, and if you're finding it's too much, if it's too risky, and then it's time to call an emergency shelter or, you know, a family member that can help you help you leave. Um, but I will say, I agree, like, you know, with the pandemic, there's definitely, I would say the numbers are rising when it comes to domestic violence. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's sad to say it, it's the majority is women. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's, a sad, that's the sad part. The majority is women. And, you know, it's a lot of, uh, you know, it's a lot of that happening in, in different places in, in Atlantic Canada. Uh, and across Canada as well. But when you say with shelters and things like that, uh, that they are things that they are things that you can do. Uh, would you also recommend like online groups? Because I've seen also that a lot of people have online groups and and chats that they kind of able to bend. Uh, is that an, another way, or do you think it's more proper to find maybe somebody close, like a family member or mm-hmm. like a, a friend? Yeah. Yeah, I think online groups are great too. It really depends. Like for example, if you have a family member. And you're trying to talk to your family member with no judgment, that could be hard, right? That family member may say, oh, you need to leave. Like, you're the one that's doing this. Like, you're the one that's staying in this relationship. So it causes a lot of shame um, and guilt for the victim. So, you know, online groups are really good because they're non-biased. You can hear stories, know that there's other people suffering like you are. Um, if there's someone in your life that you can trust and feel safe talking to, that they're not going to judge you, like that's also really beneficial as well. Okay, so yeah, I've seen that a lot on on the Facebook groups and incredibly Twitter. That's a place that I'm like, oh wow, like I can't believe this is happening yeah. on places like Twitter that the, yeah. that there's conversations going on. And the fact is, is that a lot of this is part of the online kind of trend of the pandemic which is another effect like we you and me are in zoom right now uh and a lot of people are afraid sometimes of going into therapy but now they got zoom like we we can do that like you you do online therapy uh Mm -hmm. is there any difference or you think that people are getting the same type of results online like via zoom meetings than in the personal or or you think it has kind of increased because a a lot of people i know never went to therapy because it's like, oh, I don't want to go to an office. I don't want to go do this. I don't want to go do that. But now there's this. So, so has that improved within people's, uh, you know, fear of going into counseling? Yeah. Like I, I do both. I do online and in person. So what I'm noticing is that it's accessibility, right? So people, um, that like and enjoy the online, they can do it in their car, they can do it like on their lunch break, you know, if the kids are running around, they can kind of sneak in another room to talk. Um, so accessibility wise, I think it's really beneficial. Um, and then you have the other side of people where they want to do the in person because they miss that connection. So like we we abide like the COVID regulations to make sure that we're in the same office together and things like that. So I think it, it goes both ways. I will see um, what we're noticing is that a lot of people are actually attending sessions. Um, there's not as many no shows um, compared to if it was booked in person. Um, so that's also a benefit as well. So I think it's a it's a better reach, right? Like if I'm having a crisis or something like that, I can just kind of yeah. jump in and, and say that. 
I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I I feel like now with the cell phone, like yeah, if I'm if I'm having anxiety and thing, and I know you, I have a therapist or a counselor available, so just yourself, I can just say, hey, look, I can we book a session, and and you know if you're available, like instead of like waiting days, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes to to meet somebody, which is which I think it's again, I think technology has been a gift and a curse, uh, mm-hmm. for people. Uh, but I think also it's, it's, you know, it has helped a lot of people that haven't been into counseling and have you seen that? Have you seen new people coming in? Like I've never been to counseling before. Is that increasing, uh, in this field or is it more of the same that people are still afraid to come in and, you know, kind of, because again, it's hard to tell your problems to people and, and see mm, how, can, how can you do with other people? Yeah. Yeah. I would say a lot of people I've talked to have said like, this is my first time in counseling and I don't know what to expect. Um, I do get a lot of people of color. So that's why they're saying that, like, I couldn't find a black therapist and now I find one. So I find I'm getting a lot of that narrative of like, this is my first time um, coming in. Which we're going to get to that because we're black and it's called black in the maritime. So we're going to, we're going to go get into that right now. Like, What has been the, the stigma right now with, within people of color in Atlantic Canada, like what have you seen uh, that has kind of been curious about like, Oh, that this is new or, or is it the same things like racism and things like that, that they have to baggage uh, of all those things that they have to do just because they're black? Yeah, I would say, you know, it's been the general consensus of, you know, the systemic racism, the microaggressions, the outward racism is been the common thing I've been hearing um, from my clients, I would say. Yeah. Oh, wow. So even in, in, well, again, we were not surprised that in pandemic times, this stuff's still happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, w- what is your, like I said, what is your mainly base that have you seen all these microaggressions? Does it happen more on men? Does it happen more on women, children, or, or if it's like an equal playing field that we all get in at the same time? I would say it's equal. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think, I don't, I can't even say, you know, compared to genders or age or, anything like that or sex like I think it's 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 a pretty pretty equal playing field for all of us to to um, experience microaggressions or outward racism what does that cause does it cause more people of color more anxiety more more depression what what is the main cause of things like like microaggressions racism and things what mm-hmm. what's the uh, you know the long-term effects of that yeah I would say you know the anxiety, that worry of like, you know, I have to behave a certain way. I have to watch my back. I have to kind of, you know, notice things a little bit more, um, you know, those low moods, it could kind of, you know, translate into that, that negative self-talk of like, you know, am I even worth it? Why are they at me? You know, that hate of the skin color too, that colorism possibly. Um, and also too, I find like a lot of people of color end up losing their voice a lot. Uh, when their environments like pot, like work environments, for example, when, you know, they're noticing there's lots of microaggressions happening or just like those nine remarks. And then they end up losing themselves. They end up losing their voice because they feel like, you know, if I speak up, this is going to happen. So I'm just going to keep quiet. Let's, let's kind of dig in about losing their voices. A lot of people don't, won't understand that. It's not like technically you're losing your voice. It's pretty much that you have said things and you feel like you're silenced, mm. uh, w- which is the, like, they, like even if it's something, especially in the workplace, uh, that you go and you say, well, I don't think this is right or this is right. And even if you say it in a mild, medium or angry matter, it feels like nobody's listening to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and that's that's when people say like it brings and and a lot of people of color suffer through that, especially in the workplace. Uh, what do you advise people that that go through that uh, mostly every day? Yeah, so there, there's a couple of things we talk about. Like again, it's it comes down to self care, taking care of yourself. So if you kind of like keep silent. You kind of, you know, not notice what your body is doing. It, it starts to weigh on you, starts to pile up. So making sure you're doing something to calm your body down. If it looks like after work, you know, doing going for a walk or taking a bath or talking to a loved one or someone that you can vent to, um, t- releasing that I think is really important. Um, and also that concept of radical acceptance of like, you know, this is my reality. You know, these are the people in my life. I don't know if I can actually change them. So where do I move from here? Right. There's some coworkers that are very open to discussion. Some coworkers are great to listen and they're allies. And then there's some situations you're in that they won't budge. They'll say like, no, that's not what I meant. You know, that's a you problem. That's not a me problem. So then you have to say like, you know, do I want to stay in this position? Can I find another position? Or if I do stay in this position, how can I take care of myself through this to get through it? Right. Yeah, it's definitely something that I think people, again, I, I would definitely recommend therapy. I myself have gotten therapy uh, a different amount of years. And I think that's something that, especially when you're a person of color, that you're trying to get ahead, like in especially younger people, which is also one thing that I see that, you know, you just got out of college, you're trying to get this job, you have all these hopes and dreams and stuff like that. And then you realize that you're like, oh, I'm the only black person here. Uh, these people are doing things in different places that I'm like, oh, this is so uncomfortable for me. Like I wouldn't done that. And, and, you know, you don't want to be that person that, that says like, Hey, uh, this is not right. Or, or you guys maybe should do this in a different way. Uh, and I think, yeah, the self-care and also, like I said, motivating groups, I think it's a a whole other thing. Because again, microaggressions and racism, we all go through it in, in different ways, but we all go go through it in in that specific way and you know it's something that uh, it's kind of curious to me do you know those things do you think they happen mostly in workspaces or does Mm -hmm. it happen just in public scenery what what do you think it affects the most to people um i would say probably the biggest impact would probably be be at work because we're around those people all the time so we we're probably probably noticing a lot more of that However, like if you are around people that maybe are not of color, you know, they may say some, some things and because you're friends with them or you know them, you may not speak up. So um, it can really happen anywhere, but I would say more so it's been at work because we're noticing a lot, Um, you know, and as a worker, you have to do something, you have to produce a product or do a task. And, you know, usually those microaggressions come out when you, when you ask questions or you have meetings or you're just in normal conversation. Yeah, I think, I think that's definitely part of a, of of a bigger conversation that people should have about mental health with, because it's a, it's a different type of stigma when you, when you're suffering to that and you're a certain race or, or color and things like that. So uh, I definitely think that that you're right on the money on on that. So we're recording this on Valentine's Day. So just to let you know, people. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about people feeling lonely <laughs> because people they don't feel have a lonely day. on Valentine's Day. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. So we're talking about like how I know, and again, it it may sound silly uh, to people like, oh, it's Valentine's. Day. It's just a holiday. It, it, it's it's not even a holiday. It's fake. But some people do, that does affect them that they don't have a partner. 
Yeah. Uh, do you do you see that a lot? And and also, what do you recommend to that particular people that that have that that type of anxiety? Yeah, I would say it's common for a lot of single people that don't have a partner, and then everyone around them is in magically in love <laughs> when it wasn't like that the, the rest of the 200 and you know or the 350 how many days <laughs> 351 days of the year right so it's yeah it's hard it's very hard for people to deal with that especially if they've been single for a long time or recently single um so i would say i would recommend you know making it a you day right you know if if it means like creating something, a tradition just for you, creating tradition for you and your friends, you know, celebrating something or distract yourself throughout the day or really avoid that social media and those posts about everything that that's creating that worry and anxiety and those memories. Um, but you're, I think the biggest thing is that people are in control of this, right? You're in control of avoiding. You're in control of creating something special for yourself. You're in control of reaching out to your friends. Um, so it's just remembering that of like, you can, you can do whatever you want today to make yourself feel good. So please to women and men, please block that girl. That's just getting engaged. All those <laughs> posts, ignore them. Don't, don't book a restaurant because they're all full right now. I don't understand that. And they're overpriced. So just make sure you go to the 15 or the 15 <laughs> or the 16, because it's just, it's maybe just crazy. Block, right now. Maybe not block people, but you know, take a break from social just, media. Just one day, you can do mute. I mean, you can mute them for a bit and just get that 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 horrible Valentine's Day. Get yourself a a chocolate bar at the dollar store because it's cheaper that way. Just just just, just handle that. So, uh, so Stacy, if people want to find your counseling and and explain to people uh what type of counseling you do, how you do it, so people can know more about it if they if they want to refer you. Yeah, sure. So, um, we're online, so it's uh, www.scnum. E S I N A M counseling with two L's.com. Um, and uh, we, I'm just trying to think, did I say my website wrong? S N M counseling incorporate.com. Um, so we do, um, I mainly do trauma therapy. Um, so people that have PTSD, um, sexualized trauma, racial trauma. So we focus on approaches to heal those, those parts. Um, we focus on addiction recovery as well um, and um, domestic violence, um, as well as any sort of like women issues. Um, and I say we because I actually have an associate now. I don't I think before I didn't have one. So she is her name is Zarin and she is uh, from Dubai. So she speaks English and Farsi. Um, so she can um, counsel people that uh, speak Farsi as well. And she and her, she and I do the same um, type of counseling. Um, our approaches vary from cognitive behavioral therapy, dialectical behavioral therapy, cognitive processing therapy, which is really good for um, trauma, um, intense trauma, um, narrative therapy, um, as well as some exposure um, work as well. Wow, that's amazing. So Stacy, thank you for giving me the time. And again, just check out Stacy at her therapist, go to the website, we'll have the links on the podcast. And anything, yeah, let us know. This is always open for you. Thank you so much, Stacey. Yeah, you're very welcome. Peace out, guys.